You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. Uh, my name is Rusty and this is episode number 42. Now, with me on Skype today is, I believe, our first international Skype visitor, uh, Sam Millard from Panhandle Precision. How are you, Sam? Good, Rusty. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you very much for joining us today. No problem. Glad to be here. And uh, and what's, uh, what's the weather like? Because I suspect we're in very different climates. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's right now. It's forty degrees and a little bit of light rain. Uh, we had freezing rain this morning, so it was raining, and it was twenty-seven degree air temperature. So it just turned to ice when it hit the ground. But yeah, uh, that's actually nice weather for us right now. So well, to to put it in perspective, it's also uh, going to be forty degrees here today, but a different type of degrees. Um, and we yeah. will be what's uh, in your language somewhere around one hundred and eight, I think, or one hundred and five. Um, yeah. and I think 40 is only a few degrees for us. So we, are, yeah, we're, we're at polar opposites. Yes. Uh, no, thank you. You keep that hundred <laughs> degrees. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, when we, when we were in the States earlier, we've, I finally snor- saw snow falling for the first time. Very unique experience for, uh, for someone on this side of the planet. Uh, well, exactly specifically where I live anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's more of a nuisance for you than anything else. Uh, well, it gets old after, you know, just like anything else, you know, too much of a good thing is too much. So, <laughs> oh, very good. And speaking of, uh, of too much of a good thing, we, um, we're here to speak about shot, uh, shot show. Um, but before we get into that, I thought it might be good to, uh, to find a little bit more out about Panhandle Precision and what, what you do with your spare time. Uh, Panhandle Precision is something that I fired up just to, uh, to kind of share with people some of the things I do. Uh, having to do with long-range hunting and shooting and precision rifles and things like that. Uh, It just kind of bloomed into a a place where I could put some gear reviews, some how-to articles, videos, things like that together. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's all it's all for fun. There is no business here. There's no profit being made. It's just a way to uh, be connected with people and, you know, show them some of the things I'm doing and also to see some of the things they're doing. So, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, brilliant. How long have you been doing it for? This will be the first solid year of Panhandle Precision was at SHOT Show. Okay. Yeah, right. All right. So it's pretty relatively fresh. Yes. Yeah, but you got a reasonable amount of content already. You, you've yeah, been busy yeah. with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's it, kind of a- it's a, it's almost like a job hobby thing. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, one of those jobs that doesn't pay very well. Yes. Or at all. Yeah, very good, mate. And so we we ran into each other uh, at uh, Shot Show by being uh, after being put uh, connected via a, a mutual friend, and yes. um, I think what was interesting um, was uh, how different or the different reasons we were there for uh, for different purposes. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, this, this, yeah. This, this was my third time there, and. Uh, my first time was a lot like yours, where I was trying to, <laughs> to get to every booth and talk to everybody and take pictures, and I didn't do video like you guys did, but yeah, uh, you know, everybody told me, you'd never be able to see it all, you'd never be able to see it all, and 
Boy, I sure tried that first year, and they're right. You can't see it all. No, no. We, we got told the exact same thing, and uh, and I, I did believe it, um, and and it was completely true. Yeah, we could not see everything, um, yep. not, not, even, not even remotely close, especially because we missed the first day. Um, but it was interesting to, to see the, the different dynamic where we were there rushing around literally completely going crazy and you were you were quite calm and just relaxed and uh, checking out what you wanted to see <laughs> so obviously the experienced veteran with uh, within shot show um and uh, yeah it was uh, it was excellent to meet and so you probably found a few more of the hidden gems than we did i reckon uh, i don't know about hidden gems a lot of the stuff that uh that i was looking at a lot First of all, this time was a little bit different because I was representing Panama Precision instead right. of the two places that I represented the years prior. So uh, as the operator or owner or whatever you want to call it, yeah. you know, the contacts that I was that I was making and talking with were a little bit different. Uh, okay. So this was almost like a working trip, at least the first couple of days. And it was a little bit different in that regard because I actually had to be somewhere at a certain time. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, kind of like you guys. I'm sure you had, uh, you know, schedules that you had to keep and people that you told them that you would be there at a certain time. So yeah, that, that all that went out the window pretty quickly, though. Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty similar to your experience, but yeah. uh, those meetings don't last very long, you know, just like yeah. you're making your videos. And once I was done with them, I could just wander around and, and, you know, not necessarily look for anything in particular, but just kind of eye the tables and, and see what's sitting there, you know. Yeah, brilliant. And so what, what would you uh, say were some of your best finds at the show? Uh, I don't know about best finds. Uh, some of the things I liked a lot were, uh, like, looking at the Savage, that new TAC A1, the T3X. That's a nice-looking chassis rifle. Oh, the ticker, yep. I think... Uh, you know, this year was kind of uh, because of the trend in the precision rifle shooting. There's a, a lot of manufacturers that are looking to capitalize on that. Of course. And, oh, boy, there was a bunch of chassis rifles out there from just about everybody. But I think the, the two best-looking ones, at least in my opinion, were still the Ruger precision rifle yep. and the Tika. I mean, they were just sharp-looking rifles. They, they feel nice to hold. They look like they're... They're manufactured from the ground up as a precision rifle on a chassis. Hmm. Yeah, certainly. I, I think, um, I mean, we had a little look at the ticker as well, and, and unfortunately we, we saw it with um, with the price in mind of what they're going to be in the U.S., uh, sorry, in, in Australia. And right. they're, they're perhaps, it's going to be hard for them to be really competitive, but having said that, the tickers shoot really, really well, so you, you people will buy it with confidence. Right. I think what's going to kill them in the states is just the availability. You know, they're yeah, uh, gotcha. they're not going to be pushed like a like the Savage will be, uh, or even the Ruger Precision Rifle. We just won't see very many of them where you can actually pick them up and hold them. And a lot of people are hesitant to order a rifle that they've never actually held or or even looked at. So I know that's been a hangout for me. I'd love to have a Tika just a regular T3 light and a 260 Remington mm -hmm. and good luck. You know, they just aren't going to show up on the shelf. So yeah, that that's interesting because the, the Tiggers are the, uh, the number one selling brand here in Australia for rifles and have been for somewhere in the vicinity of sort of four or five years straight. Yeah. So every gun shop has 
a lot of maybe that's why you can't get any. We've got them all over here. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we're to blame. It could be. <laughs> That would that, that would be we, we usually get it the other way around. We usually get stuff that we we can't get our hands on because everyone in America's got it. Ah, well maybe we'll take a little bit of our own back on that one then. Yeah, we'll try and, <laughs> we'll try and keep it that way. Good on you, Australia. Keep buying tickets. Um, and and so aside from those two, what what else sort of caught your attention at the show? Uh, some of the things I looked at that uh, you know the first year I went I went with the the purpose of looking at nothing but. Basically optics. I wanted to look at rifle scopes. Sure. And this year, I kind of fell back on that again. I wanted to look at uh, what's out there. You know, what's available. What's different. What should I be looking at? Uh, you know, because you probably know I, I really like Night Force. I mean, that's pretty much all I use are Night Force, and yep. it's not necessarily because they're better than everybody else, or, or that they're just, just down the road from you. And, yeah, they are my neighbors, but uh, <laughs> you know they're easily available, they're readily available here. Sure, I already have a bunch of them, so I'm familiar with them, and I just didn't see a whole big reason to change from that, you know. But uh, there are some things that Night Force doesn't do well, namely the smaller diameter objective lenses in a higher magnification, yep. and in the weight. I mean, they're just not. I don't think they're interested in getting lighter, you know, because to get lighter, they're going to have to use different materials and gotcha. uh, things that they might perceive as being not as high quality. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I looked at this year were some different scopes from different manufacturers. Uh, one of the ones I really liked was the Leopold VH6 HD. They actually make a 3 to 18 by 44. Okay. Uh, that one caught my attention. I'll probably try to look at one of those this year. Do a review on one. Yeah, right. No, I didn't. Didn't we didn't check out Leopold at all? Actually, was there any other optics that caught your attention? Uh, you know, there's always nice stuff there. It's hard to. <laughs> it's it's really hard to get a feel for what they're like in an enclosed building like that. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the stuff I looked at, as far as uh, spotting scopes and binoculars and things like that, you know, when you pick them up, you kind of know that what you're looking through. It's nice, but it's not really telling you much about what it's going to be like in the mountains. Mm, for sure. Uh, so you you just try to hold on to them and feel them and say, how does that feel in my hand? You know, are the knobs in the right places? What kind of caps do they have on them? Things like that. Uh, over the last few years or so, I pretty much, I used to be a big Swarovski guy. Okay. Everything I own is Swarovski. And uh, the last couple of years, I've kind of migrated to Leica. Uh, I still have an 8x30 set of Swarovskis that I like a lot, but... All my big stuff, all my spotting scopes are all Leica. And uh, I spent some time in the Leica booth talking to those guys. And they have a new binocular out. It's called the Noctavid. And, man, they are nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, very nice. Very, very nice pair of binoculars. They're a little bit lighter. Uh, they, just, they just work better. Uh, things like that. I looked at the new HDBs, the 2200-yard range-finding binoculars from Leica. I'll probably be doing a review on those this year. Yeah, pretty. Uh, another thing I looked at were the Zeiss, the Zeiss rangefinding binoculars. They were pretty nice. Uh, here's a little a little blurb about optics companies at Shot Show. If you're going to run an optics booth at Shot Show, please send some guys that know the product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's very true, isn't it? It's yes, it is. True. And it was uh, you know when you walk into some of those booths and start talking to those guys. 
you know, coming from my standpoint, I'm going to ask, you know, when the guy says, hey, look at my long range scope, look at the turrets on it, look at that, 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 I'm going to ask him, hey, what's the range of travel on that turret? And if they don't know, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty yeah. But, uh, there was one stand who I don't, I won't mention, but I'll, uh, I'd, I'd certainly same sort of thing. Asked to look at a particular type of scope and uh, was checking it out, and and they could not answer my questions. And yes. uh, you're going, hang on, yep, this is where you're meant to be representing them. So, yeah, I yeah. think you're uh, you're spot on with that, Sam. And to their credit, to this particular booth, they sent me a, they actually emailed me a whole media kit on it. Uh, but ironically, I was going through, I was going through their media kit, and I still couldn't find the range of travel of the turret. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's some, I see a lot of that with some of these companies that are trying to uh, capitalize on the long range market. You know, where they're building a where they already have a nice tube and nice lenses, the nice everything, and now they're trying to put turrets on it that you can dial up for corrections, and they just they just don't. They don't have the vocabulary for it yet. You know what I mean? I uh, they're just certainly not, do. Uh, it's just not what they do. Did you happen to uh, to have a look at the the Leopold, the new ones they're doing? The LR, I think is LRP, is it? What's yes, the, uh, I did. Yeah. How did you? What yeah. did you think of those? Hard to say. <laughs> uh, the turrets felt okay on them. Uh, they they actually had one right next to that VH VX six HD I was looking at. Yep. Uh, between the two, the VH6 HD is a much nicer scope. Sure. Uh, of course, there's a big price difference as well, but uh, the the long-range precision or whatever the LRP stands for yep. uh, seemed like a pretty good scope. The turrets are awfully tall on it. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, they're awfully tall. I don't know from a hunting standpoint if I like that very much. Uh, I think maybe from a competition standpoint, it might not be a big deal. Yeah, you see a lot of the the competition scopes though are going with sort of a wider, flatter, larger sort of uh, dial. Yes, yeah. and that was one of the things about the Night Force ATAC R's, this newer generation of them that I liked the most, especially mm. the four sixteen by forty two. In fact, I saw that scope for the first time uh, two years ago at Shot Show, and I just fell in love with it. It's like I got to have that scope, you know. And I did the review <laughs> on it the next summer, and. I still have the scope. I bought it at the end of the review. So yeah. you're right. I think, in my opinion, if they want to make a nicer scope that everybody's going to buy, they need to make that turret knob a little bit wider and have more travel on it per revolution and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, that's just a trend. But as far as cost of production, who knows? I don't know how much more that costs to build that way. Of course. I don't know what, what Leopold was using as far as maybe they had some parts for something else. That they repurposed. Yeah. Uh, the guy who I talked to, I don't remember his name now, at Leopold, actually mentioned that that scope was getting beat up in some certain reviews or whatever. And he said uh, that they had addressed some of the concerns and they uh, thought they had it right this time. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's good to hear if they um if they are addressing and, and responding. That's very good because uh, it yeah. looks like it it's got a twenty nine mil of adjustment. So yeah, that's that's good. Um, oh yeah, yeah. For the, the the price it's at, that's probably very good. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's all right. That's uh, it's There's certainly something else. The old booth that was kind of cool was that uh, thermal tracker. Yeah, we have seen a huge amount of uh, of media on that one over here. Um, how, did you did you get a chance to play with it? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's> really cool. <laughs> and uh, you might be able to answer for this for us. Um, uh, so one of the other guys on the podcast, uh, Greg, he's a um, he's just picked himself up a thermal scope recently, and he's really sort of into it. Um, he saw those uh, those ones, and he can't seem to get an answer on how sort of how much depth you can really see or use them for, because every every piece of footage and every um, little review I've seen on them is you know they sort of test it only thirty or forty meters away. Right. Did you get a chance to to work out if it will go further than that? Oh, well, it's rated for something crazy like five hundred yards. I thought. Wow. Yeah, okay. the spec on it is for quite a quite a ways away, and of course we were in a building, but we, you know, down that aisle, I think you could probably get fifty yards. Yeah. On okay. the last day when I uh, took pictures to it, and I was picking people up that far away. Okay. All right. All right. Well, it's yeah. a pretty cool gadget. Uh, I think it uh, its use obviously, and I think how they're marketing it is as a uh, an animal recovery device. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily a weapon mounted deal. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe in some some circles it might be a good tool. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly looks like it's a um, it's a useful little product. Yeah, be it be it mounted um, for a sort of a backup or, or a spotting sort of setup um, or or recovery. Yeah, it could be yeah. uh, could be an interesting one. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so they've they've hit shops here, which is uh, which is good. We didn't have to wait too long for them to actually get out. Yeah. That's the, that's the usual problem we face here, Sam, is uh, we see something released and we go, right, well, I'll buy that in two years when it comes out in Australia. <laughs> so, hey, it happens here too. It Not does. Not a lot of things, but uh, some things it's just like that. And Night Force was one of them, that F1. I had my review out and everything on it, and <laughs> I've been using it for six months. And <laughs> they couldn't buy it. Nobody had them. Yeah, right. And that turned out to be uh, – they had a they had a bunch of tubes that were not in spec, right? And so they had to just trash them and start over again. Which, to Night Force's credit, you know they they kept with their with their spec package and didn't budge on that. So, did you check out those new Nosler cartridges? Oh, uh, I mean the twenty two Nosler. Yeah, I kind of eyeballed it. I don't really have much interest in an AR based, uh, basically a twenty two two fifty. Uh, I'm sure some people will, especially for varmint hunting or coyote hunting or whatever, but just not my cup of tea. Yep, sure. Not much of a gas gun guy, and if, when I do shoot gas guns, I just use 223. And yeah, makes but sense. But it's a it's an interesting concept. It was interesting to see them go the other direction, you know, instead of just keep going up. Yeah, yeah, um, that's uh, that's true. That's what they've been doing a fair bit. Down the other direction, and <laughs> yeah, but I think they'll probably sell a bunch of them. I think they're. Uh, People were probably already tooled up to build the uppers for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, Nosler didn't just keep that secret. I'm sure they had some people uh, in the loop, you know, ready to turn out some products that would support it, which yep. is a great thing. Yeah, well, well supported, which is which is good. I I was a bit surprised about that. We met, we did get a chat with Nosler, and uh, we didn't really cover it in depth because, again, not significantly relevant to our market. Um, but yeah, they were they they were ready to go, weren't they? They had plenty plenty on board for it. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what the barrel life is like with that, uh, another use I can see for that are are guys building trainers. You know, for the sure. PRS rifles, a lot of them are running two twenty three AIs, which gets them you know up to what three thousand feet a second or so. Mm-hmm. 
I could see him using that 22 nozzler and chambering for that. Especially with the gas gun series coming on board this year. Um, that will be obviously more prevalent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it looks like those barrels are going to be twisted right so you can shoot the, you know, the 70 grain class bullets out of them. Mm. We're seeing that, that whole trend, isn't it? We're seeing faster twist rates across the board. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I don't think of fast – you know, everybody I remember, I don't know how many years ago, but everybody was saying, oh, you can't run a fast twist because it messes up the barrel, it does this, it does that. I always ran fast twists, and I never understood why you wouldn't, you know. You yeah. can't overstabilize a bullet. So uh, it was kind of interesting to see Brian Litz come out and test all that and put it in his first uh, yeah. advanced, the advancement book. And uh, and I agree. I just don't see a I don't see a, a downside to fast twist. No, no, I think uh, I'd, I'd agree with you on that one. I see that you got some photos up of the, uh, the Hauer, the new release Hauer as well. Did yeah, that's 1500. Yeah, did you get some time with that tactical hour? No, I just kind of looked at it, uh, picked it up a little bit. They had it up on that tripod there. And yep. I had a buddy. I have a buddy who's a really big Howa fan, and I always uh, try to give him a little bit of grief every time I see one at SHOT Show because he's, <laughs> he's such a big Howa fan. And a lot of it, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but they're kind of the, uh, you know, they're one step below Savage as far as the, you know, the, the cheap gun, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. But the guys who have them are, you know, they're fanatical about them. They love the gun. So yeah, it's, uh, it's just one of those, I don't, there isn't a lot of coverage here of them. You know, they aren't on every gun rack in every gun store. So, uh, yeah, probably another, another, another one where we're on the other side of things. We, we certainly see, um, uh, a huge amount of hours in the shops. Um, I mean, you, yeah, I guess that, we're not taking up real estate on the shops with with gas guns. We're we're all about <laughs> bolt actions. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so the Howers certainly have their place. Um, I don't. That's an interesting question that that you say they sit just below the Savages. I'm not sure if we see that the same. That, that's probably one I haven't thought about because oh, I, yeah. I would have thought that they're often sort of getting closer to a ticker. The Howers not often regarded quite there, but they're they're on their way. Um, but uh, again, the guys I know who have them and I. Actually, I have to admit, I've got two hows as well. Um, the guys that, that have them and run them consistently uh, talk very highly of them. And they do yeah. shoot. They do shoot very well. A little bit of exposure I've had to them. I liked them. I thought they were a pretty nice rifle. Mm. Uh, as far as being a step below, it's mostly, I think, just because there's more savages out there, you, around here at least. Do you think yeah. it's, a, um, it's, it's also part of uh, Savage being American-made? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. They're just easier to get a hold of, you know. I mean, there's a lot of. I have a Savage LRP. I have a couple of Savages, and you know, if I'm asked directly, what do you think? I'm going to tell you, I prefer my Remington 700s. Yeah. You know, I don't care how. I don't care if the Savage shoots one whole groups all day long. The action <laughs> just isn't as smooth. You know, it's clunky. It's just not as nice. And you know, that's a that's a subjective. <laughs> Yeah. Review on it there. Uh, objectively <laughs> speaking, it's a great bargain, you know, for a factory gun. They always shoot well, it seems like. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, I was going to ask you so, this is this is your third shot show. Have you seen much change over those three years? Well, the first year, uh, the Black Rifle crowd was very popular. 
you know, the ARs and the gas guns and all that kind of stuff. Okay. I remember them being everywhere because we were going through a, you know, oh, they're going to ban these guns. They're going to ban the magazines. And it seems like we always go through that every time we have a Democratic president. And uh, everybody was starting up a black rifle company. And it seemed like a lot of them had booths there. This year when I went there, they, they seemed like they were a little bit lonely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> They just weren't, uh, they weren't crowded like they had been in years past. Okay. Uh, some of the other things, you know, it's funny because at the time I was probably thinking it, but right now I can't remember uh, some of the things that really stood out to me. But a lot of it also has to do with what I'm interested in looking at, I'm sure. So, uh, you know, yeah, true. Look, looking at it through a different lens, so to speak. Hmm. Mm, yeah, because we um we obviously we had people say back here, well, make sure you don't spend all your time looking at ARs because that's not you know it's not relevant. We don't right. they're not videos that we're interested in watching. Um, and I I I don't I don't even recall picking up an AR at, at at the show or anything like that. I just went no, we're we're here for for the stuff that's relevant, obviously within the long range precision rifle sort of community. And I tell you what, exactly. we we could have had another couple of days of the show and still not covered all just that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. The only AR I remember picking up over all three years, I believe, was this year. It was the Rock River Arms. It was one of theirs that had the, the coyote tracks cut into the handguard. I was just looking at your photos of that one, Sam, actually. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting <laughs> that little... Was uh, such a yeah. rifle. It was such a work of art, too. Yeah. I think that's the one I picked up. <laughs> and, and probably only because of the way it looked, yeah? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a bunch of them. I used to shoot high power with a service rifle, and uh, that was one of my first ones I ever bought. Yeah. And I like shooting them and everything, but, you know, yeah. they're so easily available around here that. Yeah. It's not. As far as a precision rifle, I would never go to that uh, platform to build a precision rifle. I just wouldn't do it. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I think there might be, uh, might be a swing back towards that way in my very limited understanding observations with the gas gun series becoming more prevalent this year with the, the PRS. Um, yeah. Perhaps some, some more innovation might come through in that side of things. Yeah. Well, you could certainly build a rifle to shoot very well on a gas gun platform, especially for PRS stuff. You know, we're not, you know, the targets are pretty, pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Compared to some of the other stuff that we do in the hunting end of it. Well, they, they weren't at the finale. I can tell you that. <laughs> That was the no, number, yeah. number one, uh, I, I won't say complaint, I'll say observation, that uh, the people said the targets were pretty small. Um, oh, really? Yeah, at the, at the finale only. But, yeah, it was obviously that's where you oh. want to test the guys. What were they running? minute, minute and a half? Um, some of them less. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that is pretty small. So, But commonly around a minute, minute and a half, but, but even I reckon there was a few that were a bit less than that. Yeah. Yeah, so well, one of the things I noticed about PRS matches are the ones that I've been to, the overwhelmingly the targets were much bigger than what I was used to shooting at. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, by the same token, we were also shooting off barricades and and some pretty funky positions that I wasn't used to. So uh, I was glad for that target size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, if uh, yeah, if you're shooting in uncomfortable positions and under stress, uh, a little bit of a generous target is perhaps a, a good thing. Still doesn't mean you're going to hit it. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've shot some PRS uh, um, competitions yourself? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, which ones? Yeah, all, which ones have you done? Local, we've all been around here. Yep. Uh, we're kind of blessed to have a very active precision rifle shooting community mm -hmm. uh, up here in the mm -hmm. upper northwest, and we have a, a Northwest Precision Rifle League. Okay. Which is kind of based on the the model of the PRS. Yep. And there's a lot of local matches up here, and we have some. In fact, there's uh, a handful of guys from around here that I've shot with that went to the finale. So, uh, you know, they're very active around here, which is a good thing for us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it seems to be the way in, in lots of parts of the U.S. And uh, hopefully uh, starting to come over here a little bit more. We're certainly, I think the thing we like about it is that we, we look at all the equipment and gas gun series accepted. Basically, we, we're talking the same equipment except uh, for the silencers. Yeah, and uh, it, all, it all pretty sort of translates uh, pretty well across. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I get probably back to the shot show. Was the size of the show pretty similar to previous years you've been? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, very similar. In fact, some of those booths will be in the same place every year. So yeah, okay. Uh, once you've been there a few times, you kind of know uh, where the big guys are all going to be, and uh, there were some differences this year. Mm -hmm. on some of the booths where they were located and they have the the whole upper hallway there or the new products ones those are pretty interesting sometimes yeah that's the one we did one of the ones we didn't get into yeah it's pretty hard to navigate through there <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just... and the tables the tables are set up right in the middle of the hall and you have guys going down both directions of them and yeah uh, yeah it's kind of glad to see a couple of places a couple of outfits that for the first time went last year and they were stuck in that hallway. And then this year, they had their own booths out in the main section of the show. So Yeah, right. Yeah, I hear, I hear this. Kind of, I was going to say, it's kind of a test the waters thing last year. And this yep. year, they're all in. So Yeah, brilliant. I hear it, is, it can be a bit of a wait to actually get yourself a booth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is, uh, which is well, I mean, just I can see that. It's just so packed out. Is everyone trying to cram in? It was uh, a lot going on. A lot going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first year I went, I had the opportunity to talk to a couple of, I guess it was the second year, it was last year. Uh, I was scouting it out for a friend of mine who thought about having his own booth there. Yep. So I made it a point to talk to a few of those guys that were first-time uh, displayers, I guess, or vendors. And, uh, boy, by the last day, those poor guys, I felt bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, yes. Kind of just grind on you to sit there all day long. Yep. Yeah, for four days plus a plus a um a range day if you went if you do it. It um have you been to any of the range days? I have not. No, that is uh, hopefully on the cards next year. I'm hoping to to get there. What? Yeah, Sean is uh, talking about maybe doing his own uh, exhibit at range day next year. So oh, okay. I'm with that. Yeah, that'd be good fun. If you had some advice for someone going to shot for the first time uh, next year, perhaps, because we're, we're certainly seeing a bit of chatter about guys over here pretty keen to head over, what what would yeah. you tell them? Uh, wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> you know, wear I had that I had that same advice this time around. Yeah, and, and bring a small pack with you that, that will hold a water bottle. Yep. Uh, if you notice in Vegas, the water is really bad out of the tap and it's not free anywhere, so... Uh, take advantage of that at SHOT Show and fill up your bottle there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we, Other uh, than that, I would, say, I would say get the app. If you're a, if you're a smartphone user, oh, get yes. the SHOT Show app. That saved it us. It has the, the whole floor on that app, and you don't have to carry around 
one of those big ass maps and try to unfold it in the crowd. <laughs> uh, you can actually put, uh, you know, places you want to go and it will light up. I'm sure you know that it lights up the booth yeah. when you, when you click on it and it tells you where you are in relation to other booths. So, uh, as much as I try to be organized with shot show and say, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to burger. I'm going to go to Kestrel and I'm going to go to defiance machine because they're all kind of the same place. Yeah. <laughs> it never works out that way. So, uh, <laughs> don't, don't be on a set schedule yes. unless you have to be with somebody you want to talk to and they're on the same schedule as you, yep. uh, you know, don't get tied up waiting for people because you'll miss a lot of the show doing that. Meetings. Yeah. Times change. I noticed that meetings, meetings change. People don't quite might've had a big night the night before. Don't quite make it into when they thought they were going to be there. Um, yes. Yeah. Certainly experienced all of those things. I, I think one thing I found useful was to be there right at the beginning. Uh, yes. you know, the doors open, literally open it and you're walking in. Um, yes. and even to the point, yeah, you try and sort of maximize those first couple of hours and then make sure you're, you're there till the end, till they're kicking you out. Absolutely. Um, the, the first day, yep. I always try to be there the first day, right at opening light, you know, right at first light and try to stay all day long the first day. Mm. Uh, it's not as busy as the two in the middle because it seems like a lot of people fly in and go to the show in the middle of it rather than on either end. Yeah, that uh, or they miss their flights and, and they have to drive there on the Tuesday and don't get there till Tuesday night from, right. from personal experience. Right. If you're a <laughs> photographer, you want to be there on the last day. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Because you saw how that place empties out. I mean, it's just empty compared to the, the two days in the middle, and you can get right up close to all these products. Mm. And if you have a media badge, I have never had anybody say, no, don't take a picture of this. You know, I always ask them before I do. Yep. And they always say, oh, sure, you know. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we but, we were probably surprised by that. And I reckon I've mentioned on one of our, our podcasts over there. But pretty much, you know, we'd, we'd wander up to uh, to any stand and they were more than happy to, to do an interview or, or photos or anything like that. Um and they were really, uh, really easy to sort of connect with. I guess that's why they're there, isn't it? They're there to promote their product. That's right. That's but, right. But we found them very welcoming and almost, you know, almost, you know, we, we got invited out for hunts and various bits and pieces as well. Um, yeah. And so we, yeah, we we found particularly the people we talked to in the industry were really easy to deal with and, and really they they would you know a number of the places went out of their way i know krg shut down their stand so we could interview them with their whole stand in 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 shot um yeah which was you know and, and a couple of guys did that <laughs> it was it was pretty uh yeah pretty impressed yeah, G yeah. given it was our first show and we didn't really know anyone well that's a good thing <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, it is i mean they, you, there is no uh you know there's no bias there there's mm. no uh preconceptions or anything like that you're just you know they're they look at they especially looking at you guys i mean you guys are fresh meat <laughs> ready <laughs> ready to go ready to yeah, go you guys are all you're fun i mean just when i met you i mean i i wouldn't turn you down <laughs> <laughs> very easy to talk to and yeah, I guess uh, I guess we uh, we certainly were there for uh, for yeah enjoy ourselves and have a good time and uh, we did some stupid stupid posing in the photos for with some people, <laughs> which um, oh, just yeah you know, hopefully adds to the the stories and memories. But yeah, it was uh, it was certainly a, a really good experience. Um, 
And we, we do intend to go back in uh, 2018. And uh, so anyone who is listening from Australia, if you're thinking of heading over there, let us let us know. We'd, we'd love to see you over there. It'll be good. Are you going to yeah. be back, uh, Sam? You'll be there well, again? I'm sure. I'm sure uh, there's, a, uh, I think, a little bit of scheduling snafu with next year's, but I don't think it's going to stop us. I think uh, my daughter, Jessica, actually wants to go. Okay. She's starting to talk about it. She'll, she was old enough to go this year, but... Uh, we might plan on bringing the kids with us. Jake won't be old enough to get into the show, but if Jesse starts contributing to the website and actually becomes a member, gotcha. uh, contributing content and stuff, she'll be able to get on a media badge. And yep. you know that is that is her gig. The shot show is the kind of place she likes to go. She is uh, she talks to people. You know she's not afraid to approach anybody. She'll just she'll yak your ear off as long as you let her. <laughs> I've uh, I've just seen the dates for next year. Uh, this will be an awkward conversation. It's my daughter's birthday in between there. On the, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> the I missed it this year, but she's only two. Uh, next year she'll probably know that I'm missing it. Oh, yeah, Jake. Yeah. Uh, Jake's birthday is on the twenty fourth. Okay, so that's on the yeah right. That's the uh, the beginning of it as well. Yeah. Uh, oh well, that's all right. We uh, do what we can. Anyway, so yeah. If he's with us, he won't mind. <laughs> no, no, that's right. I'm sure he won't. That's the 23rd to the 26th of uh, January 2018 for anyone who's uh, who is interested. Um, yeah, certainly worthwhile. One thing that I think that we got uh, that that people thought um, is that you can't really buy anything at the ex- at the show. No. No, people, people were saying, "Oh, you know, how, you're gonna you're gonna load up on equipment and all that sort of gear at the show." And I, I said, "I don't, I don't reckon we can buy anything." But for the most part, yeah, there's no buying there. Yeah, something to do with the the tax laws in Nevada, uh, I believe. Because yeah. we we saw, I think, four stands get shut down um, for selling. For selling, yeah. yeah, yeah. Guys in yellow coats would uh, would pe- jump on them straight after a transaction, and uh, and that was it. That was the end of their show. So oh. um, yeah, <laughs> don't don't buy anything <laughs> unless they're unless they're... another thing they don't like is outboarding. They don't like people coming in and uh, as a you know as a spectator or media or whatever and trying to sell stuff. You know, yeah, okay. people out the aisle. I know that is a bad juju. Yeah, right. We didn't didn't see any of that. No, you, you mean so they're 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 just under a, under a spectator, but they're promoting their brand. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's no, that's uh, that's no good. That's no, no good. Yeah, I can't ima- can't imagine that will be uh, that be smiled upon at all. Yeah, did you notice on the you weren't you weren't there on the first day? Right? No, we weren't. So on the first day, when I showed up, I think I showed up a half hour after the doors opened. Yep. And the entire hallway, the main hallway that leads to the escalators, yes, to go down. Yep. That was packed with people. And then the downstairs in front of all the registration desks mm-hmm. was packed with people. I've never seen it like that before. It was almost like the shot show messed up the badge mailings or something. And because uh, they messed mine up, so I can imagine if that was on a bigger scale, ah, right. they to get their badges. But like you were saying, for the first couple or three hours, the place was dead on the first day. It was awesome. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah, I can imagine if, if people couldn't get their badges, that would have been very hard to get in. Yeah, that's a big bottleneck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we we actually we found the process pretty smooth getting there on the Wednesday morning uh, to get badges. We were, um, I think, one of us was on a standard pass and two of us were on media passes. Um, 
and I yeah, found it very simple to go up and show him the credentials and do that bits and pieces and, and away we were going. So, yeah, it was uh, it seemed, seemed fairly smooth when by the time we got there, but that was 24 hours later. Yeah, we walked over there the night before it opened because uh, yep. it opens up, uh, I think, the night before and then stays open 24-7 all the way through the show. Ah, okay. If you have your, if you have your confirmation yes. in hand, yep. they can just print it out for you. So we went the night before. And it was smooth. It took two minutes to get that badge printed out. It was easy. Yeah. Yeah. That was about my experience as well. Uh, and then the next day we showed up and couldn't believe the line. I mean, <laughs> it, you'd have been standing there for two hours to get a badge. Wow. Yeah. Right. So the key is to get in early and, uh, and go get your badge on the Monday. The key is to uh, apply early mm. in October and have them mail your badge. Then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> they, they didn't offer us to, to mail our badge. <laughs> Really? We we I think we applied Septemberish, but um, but you know, obviously, uh, maybe they just don't they don't ship them internationally. Well, if this was your first time, uh, next year you'll probably get an email from them yep. asking them asking if you want to go. Yeah, and you just say yes and send it to them, and and, and they approve you and send the badge back to you. We're good to go. Sounds excellent. Yeah, we're certainly certainly on on the cards for next year. Look, I'm looking forward to it. We'll uh, I think we'll go. Yeah, we we spoke with um. With John McQuay and we spoke with the six five guys, and both of them said that this year they they had um, uh, they'd done they'd sort of organised a lot more meetings like time wise, and they right. said that 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 was not didn't seem to be the way to do it. They reckon that the following year they're just going to go back to walking walking the floor and rocking up and talking with people. Well, I kind of did that uh, the first two years. That's what I did. I didn't have any organised meetings whatsoever. Uh, I talked to a few people, you know, hey, I'm going to be there. Yeah, sure. Great. You know, give me a text when you show up and we'll meet and stuff like that. But uh, this year I had a few organized meetings where they're actually written on a schedule somewhere. And uh, I thought those worked out pretty well because I got to spend more time talking to that person. Gotcha. Than I would have if I would have just showed up unannounced, you know. But I think a lot of it has to do with how the how the exhibitor is actually running their booth. If they're not... If they're not doing a, a scheduled deal, you know, throughout the show where they have people showing up every half hour to talk to them, yep. then I think they'd be more inclined to talk to you if they had a, you know, a dead space. But hmm. I, I'm kind of the same mind. I'd rather just wander around and run into people. Yeah, yeah, it certainly worked well. We got to we got to yeah. meet a, a bunch of cool people that we we didn't have any contact with, and and then we you know a number of them we had made contact with, and uh, they were pretty happy to see us whenever we could. But most of our sort of scheduled times, sort of we struggled to make. <laughs> so yes, yeah, uh, I, I can see I can see the sense in what they were saying. We probably just leave it that way uh, for majority of it. So, uh, and I wish I wouldn't have been sick there on that Thursday because I'd have liked hanging out with you guys some more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We were going to try to meet up on that day, and um, you probably you probably uh, lucky you didn't because uh, we end up out that night singing karaoke somewhere. So, um, yeah. all, all sorts of all sorts of stories to come out of that one. Uh, but anyway, it was well, there, uh, is a, there is an advantage to going with your wife is that you don't <laughs> get sucked in stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's probably some sensible and and you say sucked in, but perhaps driving force might have been right. more of the, uh, <laughs> the appropriate terminology but anyway that's uh, we we had a good time we were we were there at um 8 30 uh on the friday morning with the six five guys ready for the interview so uh we uh we certainly enjoyed ourselves but we were, we were back on deck for it it was uh it was good fun 
So, so I think um, I think we've probably uh, we've probably talked a fair bit about shot. We've hopefully teased enough people from Australia that they want to get over there and have a look for themselves. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to to find out a bit more about um, what you've got on the cards for uh, Panhandle Precision this year. Uh, pretty much, I'm going to be doing the same thing I did last year. Uh, it's worked out pretty well. I'm kind of taking the same approach uh, to what I did at the shot show. I just kind of take things as they come. Mm-hmm. I don't try to overextend myself at all. I'm not going to do things because they're popular. Uh, you know, I'm just going to do things that I enjoy to do. I enjoy doing. Yeah. And you know, go after the gear that I'm interested in. Sure. Simply because you know my experience will tell me whether you know X brand scope or Y brand rangefinder is even worth looking at. You know. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I'm sure, as you know, this sport is expensive. There is no. There really is no cheap way to go about doing this. No, there isn't. I have enough experience behind me now to know that the the buy once, cry once thing, there's a lot of logic to that. Mm. Yep. Yeah. You lose a lot of money buying stuff and then reselling it to buy something better. So Yeah, and 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 I guess pages like yours really help people with that decision where you can provide sort of information without sort of any any bias uh you just going with what you're what you're seeing what you're experiencing exactly and that's one of the reasons why i've kind of kept this uh, not a business you know i'm not going after advertisers and sponsorships or any of that kind of stuff uh if they if they come they come you know but it's not going to be because i'm going to look at something i'm not interested in uh yeah yeah you know i don't mind branching out and trying some things here and there and, and a lot of my stuff has come from uh, people requesting it, you know, asking about it. Hey, can you do a review on this? Can you write an article on that? And, yep. and yeah, that was a good idea. I didn't even think about that. So a lot of my stuff is driven by my followers or viewers or whatever you want to call them. Yep. Uh, because a lot of things I don't even think about. I just take it for granted, I guess. You know, I just do this. and I don't even think about why, why would anybody be interested in it. But, uh, you know, you kind of lose sight of where you began sometimes when you've been doing it long enough. So. Yeah. But yeah. some of the things on the block this year, I'm going to look at uh, the Leica HTBs, the 2200 range finding binoculars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably try to take a peek at that Leopold BH6 HD. Yep. Uh, I don't, there's nowhere else for me to go with the Kestrel. <laughs> <That's pretty much laughs> everything I can think of with Kestrel, and I've looked at both of their models now. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the interesting things about Kestrel is they don't, there wasn't anything new at their table this year. Uh, what they're doing now is they're working with integrating that mm. the whole link, low energy Bluetooth with uh, more range finding binoculars. So it'll be pretty interesting to see where that all leads. Yeah, it's a, it, it's an exciting time actually. Do, um, with you know, you're seeing that sort of thing happen with the Kestrel, um, with you know AB in it, and and now it's linking to rangefinders. You've got the the Sig Kilo 2400 with the ply ballistics in it, which sort of gives you most of a similar thing, but without the wind reading. Um, it's and there's a few other you know the I don't know if you saw the Revic scope at all. Which one? Uh, Revic. It was connected with uh, Gunworks. No, I didn't, but I heard about it. Sean yeah. told me. Yeah, it's basically the shell. It looks like the shell of a Gen 2 um, from Vortex, um, but it's not connected with Vortex, I don't believe. Um, and, yeah, it's it's got a ballistic app in it, uh, effectively, uh, with a heads-up display internally. Um, didn't get a chance to actually look look through it, unfortunately. But, um, 
you know, you've, you've got all these devices sort of coming about. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see which way it all gets steered. Absolutely. And, the, you know, the thing is, is all this, all this uh, technology and all these gadgets and everything are, are really cool and they're great eye, can- eye candy and all that kind of stuff. But uh, my roots are pretty much in hunting. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff I do revolves around hunters and, and how to use this technology for long range hunting. And there comes a point where, you know, it's just not, it's not economical for one thing to, to buy something like that for a guy who just wants to go hunting with it. You know, generally speaking, if you're going to buy a a range finding scope or binocular or something like that, it's a pretty substantial investment. And a lot of guys don't want to invest the money. So uh, I'm kind of with them on some of it, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I look at how this is all changing and I look at where we came from mm. and even the ballistic solvers, the, the whole Kestrel 4500 AB and then the 5700 Elite Series was a big step up in my mind because uh, the capability of having a solver and a wind reader in the same package that is as accurate as that one is, is, I mean, it's a great tool. There's a lot of bang for the buck there, but some of these all all in one rangefinder binoculars or all in one rangefinder ballistic solvers they still aren't all in one they're always missing something you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so i'm not sure what's driving all that yeah there's but gonna have to be, there's going to have to be a pretty big leap in quality versus how much it costs yeah yeah that's that's the the thing isn't it it's all going to come down to it dollars but uh, there there is obviously going to be something coming uh, yeah, in time, it, we, we're, we're that nature. We just keep driving, keep pushing for, for more improvements. Absolutely. I'd love to see uh, Applied Ballistics and Kestrel teaming up with everybody's rangefinders and binoculars, you know? Mm. Mm. Because yeah. everybody, everybody has their own brand, you know? They like their own brand, and they're uh, <laughs> hesitant to step outside of that box sometimes, so... Yeah, it certainly certainly does uh, does that. I mean, we we get a benefit here because we we get lots of people through the the training side of things that we um we get to see and, and sort of see uh, lots of different types of equipment work uh, or, oh, yeah. or or not work as the case may be sometimes. Um, right. And so you really get a, a a more rounded perspective, but also it's it's sometimes it's it's sort of a false flag because you. You also don't get to use it for a long time. You see it work for maybe, f- maybe a couple of days or four, four or five days in in a row, but it doesn't necessarily. You know, you're not playing with it for three or four months on on yeah back to back. Absolutely, so, and that's another thing that I always try to steer clear of on my website, and my YouTube channel, and all that are you know teasers or clickbait or anything like that. I want to use that product before I say a word about it. You know. Yeah. Uh, I won't even I won't even ask to look at anything unless I have a reasonable expectation that's going to work as planned. But uh, uh, so one of the things that drives me crazy about reading some of the other reviews and looking at some of the other gear out there is that some of the reviews that get the most traffic, and I don't know if it has something to do with uh, how the search engines work or who's promoting it or whatever, it isn't really a, a practical or a realistic review of the product. <laughs> you know, they, just, they haven't had it long enough. They haven't used it in enough conditions to really uh, say, you know, this is it. You need to buy this. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these new gadgets work out. 
Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it, it always just takes time for people, for the right people to get them in their hands and use them for long enough that, that right. we can see how, how effective they actually are. And, and a lot of us in the in the industry, I hate to use that, but uh, you know, guys that do this kind of stuff, especially on the internet, and and share it with other people, I think sometimes kind of get lost in their own place. You know, they're so used to doing things the way they do them, in the places that they do them, and they forget that uh, hey, there's guys in Australia right now where it's 100 degrees out and it's dry and dusty. They aren't sitting around in the snow. You mm. know, how does this work when it's hot out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. But I mean, you can you can obviously only only review them to to the experiences and the options that you've got. But um, right. but it's yeah, it's interesting, and that's why I think it's great to um, you know, we we doubled up on a lot of interviews with uh, with people over in in uh, at shop that you know the six five guys or John uh, covered or a few other a few others covered. Um, but you know, we we wanted to put a bit of an Australian perspective, at least an accent on it. Um. Although we're not the ones with accents, that's all you guys. You, you all sound unusual. Um, <laughs> but the uh, you know to be able to do it from our perspective, and yeah, we we sort of you know plans for next year is we're gonna we're gonna perhaps ask ask some more prominent questions to to maximise the information we get for our side of the world. Yes. Hmm. But yeah, anyway, that it's it was a good experience and uh, it was uh, good fun and. Um, but thank you very much for your time uh, chatting away um, about uh, about guns, which is you know excellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, don't, I don't like talking about guns. I had to really work at this. <laughs> yeah, I know this has been a real challenge for you. I know, but um, uh, but no, certainly thank you. Uh, thank you for your time and and your experiences. And uh, we we wish you all the best with uh, Panhandle Precision. And and no doubt we will uh, we will see you at the show next year. Oh, you count on it. Pre- perhaps for some karaoke then. <laughs> about that <laughs> <laughs> oh we'll uh, we'll check that out that'll be excellent so sam uh, make sure if you're listening guys get um check out um shot show check out um sam's coverage uh, of uh, of shot um as well as uh check out um his uh, youtube channels and various uh, various outlets to uh, to read the reviews check out his videos and uh, and give him some support as well T- terrific sam thank you very much for your time mate and, and good luck you bet rusty thanks bud Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Projectile Warehouse. Find your perfect projectile.